We remain on our year-long journey of living the liturgical year with a liturgical calendar shaping our formation as a congregation. The church calendar tells a story as it walks us through the gospel story every year. 40 days after Easter, we arrive to something called the Ascension. Though often overlooked, the ascension of Christ is filled with great theological significance. While infused with importance, I suspect no other festival in the church year is more neglected and less emphasized than the ascension of our Lord. A lot has been happening within this community this week. Some of it joy-filled with a school year ending and many graduations being celebrated. And some of it has been hard. There are many covenant members currently carrying heavy burdens, some in hospitals, others in their homes and in their hearts. And then on Tuesday comes the incomprehensible news that we all learn of a horrific event in Uvalde. Our hearts are broken for them. We know this tragedy grieves the heart of God deeply. There is much we do not understand. For me, words feel difficult and most especially inadequate. Tears seem to be the more natural response and anger. For some, there is fear. And for many of us, the shared desire to hug the kids in our lives and to be close to those who matter most. It is into the pain and the brokenness of the world that a message of hope is given an embodied hope to which we must cling. Luke talks about the ascension twice, once at the end of his gospel and also at the beginning of Acts, which we step into now. God's word for us this morning from Acts 1. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, 
He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O Lord, our rock and our refuge, our God in whom we trust, minister to all of us, we pray, how we need to hear from you and to experience your presence. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For three years, they had been Jesus' near constant companion. They had been stretched, risked their lives, lived large, and awakened every morning eager to spend time with Jesus. It was a very focused mission. And then came the whirlwind of the end of Jesus' life. There was a prediction of betrayal. They endured the awful scene of the crucifixion. The last thing they expected was a resurrection despite Jesus periodically teaching some odd teachings that didn't make any sense to them about suffering, dying, and rising again. But what they thought was irreversible, God has reversed. Jesus is alive, and then he begins to show up unexpectedly for 40 days talking with them from time to time about the kingdom of God, preparing them for the difficult work ahead, preparing them for their future without his physical presence with them. It has all been amazing and a bit disorienting. Jesus tells them to stay in Jerusalem and to wait for what the Father has promised them. In John 14, we learn that Jesus is going to prepare a place for his followers, but that he is not going to leave him orphaned. For the Father will send the advocate to teach them everything and to remind them of all that Jesus has said. Then, without much warning, Jesus is gone. It's not difficult at all to imagine what the disciples might have been feeling at that moment after all that they had experienced with Jesus. They are left wondering and waiting, trusting that the Spirit would come, but having no idea when, speculating when Jesus might drop back down from the clouds. The ascension of Christ is a frequent subject in art. Many ascension scenes have an upper heavenly part and a lower earthly part. Here's just but one depiction of the ascension by 18th century Italian painter Giovanni Tiopolo, a part of the collection of the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. Paintings of the ascension usually always have Jesus drifting upward in the clouds with some sort of flowing garment 
while awe-filled disciples gaze up in amusement, amazement and confusion. The ascension of Jesus was so important to our ancient forebears that it is a part of the earliest Christian creeds. For the earliest disciples, it looked like a leaving. It seems like the day we were left behind as they looked up at an empty sky. Perhaps you experienced a similar feeling of God's absence this week. Absence, an occasion or period of being away from a place or person, a state or condition in which something expected, wanted, or looked for is not present. Maybe this was the concern worrying the disciples as Jesus ascended to heaven. Maybe this was Jesus' concern as he addressed his disciples for the final time before fading into a cloud. What would happen to them? What would happen to this community when he was no longer physically beside them? Would they crumble and fall into pieces? How would the kingdom continue in his absence? Barbara Brown Taylor says that the picture that Jesus has given them of a loving God and a world bathed in God's presence is something like a four-tiered fountain. If you can imagine this, in which God's glory spills over into Christ and Christ's glory spills over into the church and then the church's glory saturates the cosmos, the whole world the perfection of the whole creation through the agency of the church. This is how it worked. But how could it work when Jesus was gone? When he was suddenly absent, would the flow of God's glory dry up and leave everything downstream to wither and to die? We learn in today's scripture that the disciples still have questions and are trying to put all the pieces together. They are convinced of God's triumph. What they are wondering is when Jesus will truly show his power as the conquering king and restore and engage the political structures of Israel. The disciples are not asking the right questions, but Jesus tells them not to worry about the timing of when things will play out. The when question is the wrong question. The real question is how am I supposed to live while I wait? The disciples are told to continue to follow their Lord, not knowing when the end will occur, when Jesus physically comes back to make all things right. The real question is how? And Jesus says, how happens because the power of the Spirit is something that you will receive. It will be poured out upon you. Before they can ask a follow-up question, Jesus ascends into the clouds and disappears from sight. Can't you imagine them shielding their eyes, watching Jesus as long as they possibly can, wondering what in the world is happening 
This is an odd scene, one of many odd scenes in scripture. This makes me think of the time when my parents and I were watching the last launch of the space shuttle Discovery in their front yard in Florida, squinting and straining to watch the power and the movement of the Discovery as long as humanly possible. They are brought back to earth with the question, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The two messengers urged them ahead to active engagement in the new era, which brings us back to the question, how will this be carried out in Jesus' absence? Absence is a curious thing. You feel an absence only after some kind of presence that has been interrupted. I think of my friend Steve, who has been really feeling the loss of his beloved dog, Ella, who died earlier this month. Ella was an awesome chocolate lab who provided 12 years of joy to her family. She engaged her mission every day of unconditionally loving her family. Steve is missing her thumping tail in that warm, enthusiastic greeting when he returned home to the house every day. I will miss Ella as I next month go to visit this family as I do every summer as she was always at my feet when I sat reading outside leisurely every morning. When you're used to presence, you more deeply feel the absence. Without that presence, there's no sense of absence, and the stronger the presence, the weightier the absence, which is such a challenging part of grief after the loss of someone precious to us. It's why some of you are bracing in for when your child goes off to college. Absence is hard when presence has been meaningful in some way. Jesus' presence meant everything to his disciples. It changed everything about their lives. How could the gospel continue to move forward? Friends, in the ascension, we experience a sense of absence as part of what the ascension is about. Jesus is no longer bodily with us. We wish we could be physically with him and long for the day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, when God makes everything right and everything sad becomes untrue. And we experience a new presence Jesus is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only now, this presence, his presence, has no limits. Before the ascension, Jesus was limited to time and to space, to a specific time and space. You had to be in the same village or at least touch the hem of his garment in order to experience his presence or experience healing. Now, Jesus is available for you anytime, anywhere. Another difference the ascension makes to our day-to-day -day living is that Jesus is praying for you. Right now, in heaven, there is someone who, knowing firsthand the experience of temptation and suffering, prays for you. It's an incredible thing. Ben Myers puts it this way. 
When the New Testament writers speak of the ascension, they are not describing Jesus' absence, but his sovereign presence throughout creation. He has not gone away, but has become even more fully present. So the ascension is not meant to make us wonder where Jesus has gone. Instead, it ought to elicit the psalmist's response. Where can I go from your spirit, O God? Where can I flee from your presence? We need the ascension. Otherwise, Christ's ministry would be confined to first century Palestine. There's so much that's contained in these verses, but central is Jesus commissioning in verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, a stunning explanation of how the gospel will move forward is because of you. This should surprise us as much as it had to have surprised them. It's you. You will receive power. Somehow the power of God that was always and is always present in the life of Jesus for those first disciples, it will come upon them in a new way and his absence won't be that much of a problem. A witness is defined as a person who experiences and recounts an event. To be a witness means that you bear witness, that you tell stories and share your experiences. We share our experiences of the night and day difference that God has made and is continuing to make in our lives. We do this with one another as witnesses. Friends, as we have watched and read news this week, we have been painfully reminded that the world is incomplete and in need of repair. Church, it is time to stop looking up into the sky and to look around us. We are to be Christ's witnesses. Witnesses should never, or witnessing should never have you or I as the hero of the story. And sometime witnessing involves confession. For we are prone to distance ourselves from what the Lord wants to repair out of fatigue, discouragement, fear, despair. We cannot give up no matter what happens on earth until Christ comes again, we work for the flourishing of others. And we encourage one another's faith by sharing stories of how we are glimpsing the hands and feet of Christ at work in the world. For as Teresa of Avila puts it so beautifully in her poem, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to, be, to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Christ has no body on earth but yours. 
Christ glorified and ascended, body is in heaven, the church is his body on earth, so the four-tiered fountain still flows. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote about how it is midnight in our world. And how the darkness is so deep, it is hard to know where to turn. Our task is to bring light into the, <clears throat> into the dark chambers of pessimism. For our eternal message of hope is that dawn will come. Friends, we share in Christ's ministry we too are in the gospel and grace business. Those loved and set free are now commissioned and sent out to represent the kingdom of God in the world and to proclaim peace to others, grace and peace to others and to serve. And when we do, when we feed the hungry, comfort the wounded ones, stand up for the voiceless, move toward those who are poor and suffering work for reform of laws and systems that adversely impact human flourishing and find ways to free our children from fear that hinders their ability to grow and to thrive. When we follow Jesus, the resurrected, ascended, and reigning Lord, we carry this message that Christ is our King. And today, the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Pray with me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us how we need the empowerment of the Spirit to keep going and to keep growing. Empower us to bear witness to your activity and love that all the earth might be healed and made new. Give us grace to live your gospel, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all of God's people together, we say, amen.